going through a series on the book of Revelation, and I'm actually <clears throat> really excited about it because Revelation is no doubt the weirdest book in the Bible, and so it's a challenging book in, 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 in terms of trying to figure out, okay, how in the world does this book apply to my life? What is it trying to say to me? If you've ever spent much time in the book, it is very confusing, can be frustrating at times, and so I'm really looking forward starting tonight, which is going through, we can't cover everything in Revelation, but we're going to cover as much as we can. And so with that being said, I'm going to read our passage tonight. It's from Revelation chapter 1. And basically all I want to do tonight is kind of set us up, do a little bit of a like where we're going, what are we, why are we doing this book kind of a sermon tonight. So that's what we're doing tonight. But let me read the passage first. Sorry. Revelation starting uh, chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants, the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, uh, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierce them. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Let me pray for us, then we're going to dive in to what I want to talk about tonight. Let's pray first. Lord, uh, our prayer is what we just sang, or my prayer for us is what we just sang, Lord, that you would abide with us. Lord, you, uh, you being with us, uh, the Alpha and the Omega, the Almighty, the one who loved us and gave yourself for the, that we might be freed, the one who has freed us from our sins, the one who has won our forgiveness. Lord, we are helpless apart from you abiding with us, being with us, loving us, caring for us, holding on to us. And so, Lord, I pray that what, what we need tonight is, is a fresh vision, fresh eyes to see that, how with us and how for us you are. And so, Lord, I pray that as we open up, uh, start in this, in this book that you've given us for our benefit, that we might know you more, that we might know more of, of not just your love for us, but what it is, what it means to persevere as believers in a world that is confusing and tempting and hard so often, Lord, would you give us tonight a fresh vision of you? Would you give us fresh eyes to see you risen and reigning as you are, yet still abiding with your church and abiding with your people? So, Lord, we pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. So I've been thinking about Revelation and, and preaching Revelation for a little while now. And I was thinking about if, if Revelation, part of what's so hard and fun to preach it is it is a very confusing book. Like a lot of times it feels very cryptic. A lot of times it feels kind of creepy. A lot of times if you've read it at all or spent time in it, it's just what in the world is this book? 
And I was thinking about it. We watched over the Christmas break. We uh, rewatched something on Twitter came up that was like an Instagram picture of all the Christmas episodes of The Office. And so, like, we over Christmas just watched every Christmas episode of The Office, which was really fun to do. We loved that show when it was on. And I was thinking about, I think if Revelation were a character in The Office, it would be Creed. <laughs> because it's super creepy. Very cryptic at times. Super confusing at times. And then sometimes surprisingly profound at times. And I think that's kind of uh, what Revelation is. And yet, and this is what's so fascinating, why I want to preach this, is God saw fit to end his book with this book. That when he got to the end of, you know, writing, giving us... You know, the Bible, he was like, this will be the grand finale. This will be the last book that I want to give to my people. And not only that, this is actually the last time that we see the risen and reigning Jesus giving a word to his church. So we have to see this book as, in God's mind, really, really important and really having something important to say to us as God's people. And so that's what we're going to do. I love the way, as I was saying this, one, com- one commentator to kind of get at this idea of how important this book is and why we should pay attention to it. He said it like this. He, he's kind of given his life. He teaches at Regent College, or if you're familiar with J.I. Packer, he, he taught alongside J.I. Packer, and his book has been super helpful. And this is how he starts his book. He says this. He says, If it ever became illegal in my part of the world, as it actually is in other places at this very moment, to own a complete copy of the Bible, and if the authorities, as an act of mercy, allow me to possess just one book of the Bible for personal use, I would, without hesitation, keep the last. I would keep the book of Revelation. Why? Because no other book of the Bible presents the gospel as powerfully as the last one does. And so that's what we're going to do this semester is kind of unpack that. And what I want to do tonight is kind of start unpacking that. And I want to do really three things as we kind of like, you know, embark, if I can use that word, in this adventure. I just want to ask three questions, kind of setting us up, looking at those first verses that I read. I want to ask what, what the point of Revelation is. I want to ask what the problem or problems of Revelation are, why it's so hard for us to understand. And then lastly, I want to talk about what's, what's, the, uh, what's the payoff. Like, why are we doing this? So the point, the problems, and the payoff. So first, let's talk about the point. Why is the book called Revelation? And I think what's fascinating is the very first verse is actually the key to understanding what this book is all about. And, and it's important to kind of distinguish. I remember when I was, uh, you know, had just become a Christian and I had gotten involved with this youth group in the church I grew up in. The, we kind of had this cheesy, cheesy youth pastor, or I guess, are there any other kind? There are. I was a youth pastor for a while. There are non-cheesy youth pastors. But this one loved, like, his favorite joke was to say, my favorite book of the Bible is the Italian prophet Malachi. And, like, he would laugh really hard at himself. And we'd be like, man, that's not funny. But he had this big, big pet peeve. He's like, it's not Revelations. It's revelation. And he would say this all the time. He's like, it's not revelations. Don't be, don't be dumb. It's not what it says. It's revelation. And even if it was a little cheesy and heavy-handed at times, uh, I think what he was trying to say is this is revelation. And the key to understanding this book is it's not just revelation. John gives us the key at the very beginning. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what Revelation, this is the simplest key you have to understand, is the book is all about revealing more and more to us Jesus and the story of Jesus. And this is what John is kind of, the whole book is about. The whole point of the book, actually, is to retell or to newly tell 
the story of Jesus through mainly images and allusions from the Old Testament. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But it is a powerful, you have to understand, if you're going to understand Revelation, it is a powerful, imaginative retelling of the gospel story, the story of Jesus. It's not, this is what it means. It, this is what this means. It's not mainly a book about the end times. Like, this isn't National Treasure. Nick Cage is not about to help us decode Revelation this semester and take us on this journey to understand the, the secret codes about how life or the end times work. That's not what this book is about, and that's not what we're going to do. But instead, it's simply this image-driven, story-driven book about Jesus. But it's hard because all of these images and illusions are not things, and this kind of literature is not something that we're used to. Like, the readers of John's day would have, we're going to talk about this in a minute, would have intuitively understood what John was doing. He's diving back into the Old Testament and using mainly images and illusions to retell the story of Jesus. But for us... We are not John's readers. We're not used to this kind of literature. Uh, this is the way I was thinking about it. This is a silly example, but it's the best I come up with. I was thinking about like if, if by some stroke of science or magic, if we could go back to the Middle Ages and take one thing, the one thing I'm choosing for this illustration is a toaster. I'm super into toast, not avocado toast, just white bread, butter, strawberry jam, like cheap, sugary strawberry jam. That's my jam, right? Just delicious toast. You can go crazy with it if you want to. Avocado, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not out on that. If it's toast, I'm in. But you don't have to go crazy. You can go simple. I, beside myself. Back to the point. So we take a toaster back to the Middle Ages, and we're blowing their minds. And they're like, what? What is this? Is it... Is it like a, like a cage for fairies? Is it like a, a hand torture chamber with a, like with a tail for whipping? And we'd be like, no, guys, this thing has one function. It's to make toast, right? Bear with me. The book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is simple. It has one function. It is to show us the beauty and the power of Jesus and of the gospel. I love the way the guy, the same guy, Daryl Johnson, said it. He said it like this. He said, The revelation of Jesus Christ keep this description, keeps this description clear in our minds, and we will not go astray. The title is The Lifting of the Cover, The Pulling Back of the Curtain, The Opening Up, The Breaking Through of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ by Jesus Christ about Jesus Christ this book is all about Jesus Christ. So first, that's the point. That's the point of Revelation. Second, the problems. So why is the book of Revelation so hard for us to wrap our minds around? And I think there are at least three reasons that this book is really challenging for us. Uh, number one, it is a book, I've already said, that's really steeped in Old Testament illusions and images. The reason that's hard for us is we are not typically, as Christians in America, we are not Old Testament people. We have not been steeped or studied or learned in the Old Testament in a way that would help us understand automatically the connections with Revelation. You know, one of the things that Revelation is going to draw from all kinds of Old Testament, like literally in this book, there are, uh, out of the 404 verses, there are 278 of those verses are all references to the Old Testament. There are literally over 500 references in this book that are all Old Testament allusions or images, and that is 300 more than all of Paul's letters put together. This, but in other words, another way to say this is, 
Part of why Revelation is confusing is to, to us is we don't, we don't know the Old Testament. We're not steeped in it. We're not sort of uh, under, we're not students of it. And this, to understand Revelation, we're going to have to kind of go back to some of these Old Testament pictures and make sense of them. Second, it's an image-driven book. And this, and this is one of the challenges. It's a, one of the beautiful things about Revelation, and I hope that it's going to be beautiful to you, that this book really is all of, it is an image-driven book. But in this sense, it's unlike anything else in the New Testament. Think about the Gospels. The Gospels are literally eyewitness journalistic accounts. Think about Paul's letters. They are straight both you know, instruction and comfort. You know, they are pastoral through and through, but Revelation is its own thing. It's totally image-driven. Now, part of what's fascinating about this, this is what I was learning that was really fascinating to me, is part of God's reason for this and his providence is practical. John, you have to remember, as he's writing Revelation, has been banished to the island of Patmos in Greece. It's a small island that for prisoners were banished to go die. And he's been banished because he's finally gotten, the emperor Domitian at the time had asked everyone in, under his reign to bow the knee and declare that Domitian is Lord. And John, sweet John, the most millennial author in all of scripture, the, the one with the artsy flair, like his gospel is so different than others, the, the one who seems so meek and kind and tender, John is like, nope, not doing that. Jesus Christ is Lord. And so John gets sent to die, to live out his last days in this island. What's fascinating is, the one, this is where God is so genius, is essentially, you have to understand, for, for John to get this letter to the churches, it's got to go through the prison guards, who are on high alert about anything that's going to encourage the church in further rebellion, or in further, you know, not submitting to the reign of Domitian. Of Domitian. And so, of course, in God's providence, they look at this thing, and it's, it seems crazy, it seems like the crazy ramblings of a crazy man who's about to die. And they're like, pass that thing on, man. We're about to lose some Christians by this thing. And, of course, God has a different plan. But another part of what God is doing through the images is this. This is what you've got to see, and this is what I hope if you stay here and kind of come back and, and wrestle, you know, go with this journey through, uh, go through this journey with us, is part of what God is doing is trying to capture our imaginations. He cares deeply. He understands that for us... To abide with him, for us to persevere in hard times, for us to, to be faithful to Jesus, we have to have our imaginations captured by the deep realities of the gospel. And part of the power of images is images can convey realities that are almost too deep to convey with words. The passage we're going to look at next week, John literally, he, he sees Jesus, the risen reigning Jesus, and he tries his best to describe Jesus to us. But the best he can do is not, like, words aren't enough. So he gives us these powerful images trying to convey what he saw because he doesn't have words to describe it. What the book of Revelation is inviting us into is the deep realities that are sometimes too deep for words. This is the way I was thinking about this. So this is what art does, if you think about it. Like, I was thinking about my favorite artist currently would be Georgia O'Keeffe. She was the first painting I ever bought. And we actually, two years ago, three years ago, we went to out west on a trip with my family and we stopped in Santa Fe, and Georgia O'Keeffe has this whole museum. She spent the better part of her artistic life in Santa Fe. And so we went to this museum. And Georgia O'Keeffe, the power to me is, if you've ever been to New Mexico, it's like, unlike anything I've ever seen, it's like this desertous, mountainous wasteland that is somehow the colors look not real. It looks like a Crayola box of, like, the best orange colors. You just drew it together, but it's, like, unbelievably beautiful. And Georgia O'Keeffe is able to, without, in a way that was 
that I just couldn't do show you the beauty of both the barrenness and the beauty of that landscape. She does it over and over and over again. And part of what she's doing, she's using images because there aren't words to describe it. And this is exactly why God has given us this letter. He's showing us the deep realities of Jesus and of the gospel. And he's doing it with images because sometimes these realities are too deep for even words. But then third, this is the last reason that we have a problem with it, is a confusing genre. You understand the idea of genre. Like when you and I are going through a Facebook or a Twitter feed, and we see, an, uh, you know, from, in my case, an article from The Onion versus an article in The New York Times. Like I intuitively know, okay, oh, satire versus news, right? You do, we do this all the time in the way that we read things. The problem with Revelation is it's like a mix of different genres. On the one hand, we're going to learn pretty early on, it is a pastoral letter that was read in the churches at the time, meant to be read aloud, a circular letter, and then passed on for the benefit of the congregation. So it's totally a pastoral letter for the churches to strengthen them and to encourage them. But then second, it's a prophecy. And, and to understand biblical prophecy, you have to understand that prophecy is doing, always doing two things. It's foretelling, it's saying what's going to happen at points, but then even more so it's forthtelling. It is showing the realities of things and the truth of things in a creative or an imaginative way. And revelation is certainly that. In other words, if you were to look at verses five and five and six, you would see there's the book of Revelation actually doesn't really contain much or any new information. But what it is doing is it's telling the it's telling us the things that we know, like verses five and six, we could get from any of Paul's epistles. But it's telling us these things in a new and fresh way, in a more in a, in a different way or an imaginative way, in a new way. So it's a letter, it's prophecy, but then it's also, and this is the one that we have the hardest time with, it's apocalyptic, which means it is crazy. It means there are these images that are intense, dragons, you know, bowls full of wrath, the fiery wrath, I mean, just crazy, crazy images. And this typically, the genius of this is typically in the Bible, those kinds of books are more about judgment. But Revelation certainly speaks of judgment, but it speaks a yet better word of the salvation found from that judgment in Jesus. And John, this is the genius of Revelation, is he uses apocalyptic genre to show us not just judgment, but to show us the triumph, the ultimate triumph of Jesus. And that's part of what's so new about it. I was thinking about this idea of genre and how we use it, and I think... The, my, the movie that was probably my favorite of this year was um, Jordan Peele from Key and Peele. He did a movie called Get Out that was, if you've not seen it, is, is basically a, a good old-fashioned horror movie. But the whole point of it is genius. The whole point of the movie is to confront racism in America. And so the story is sort of told through this uh, black boyfriend who's going to stay the weekend at his white girlfriend's parents' house in, like, upper state, upper New York, upper, you know, upstate New York. And just the way it unfolds, the way he uses the genre is what makes the film. Because he takes the genre of horror to expose something that is even more horrific, racism. And that's a little bit of what Revelation is like. It's it's using these genres to, again, tell us, retell us, freshly tell us the story of Jesus. So what's the payoff? This last thing will close. What's the payoff of this? Why are we going to spend a semester... A semester of your time, a semester of my time, studying this book. Let me first say this is what we're not going to do. 
Like if you heard, oh, Revelation, we're going to get into the end time stuff. No, we're definitely not going to get into the end time stuff. Like we're going to acknowledge it or we've got to acknowledge it. But we're not about to do, you know, like an end time study and here are the four views. It's just not what we're doing. If you heard the first point, this book is entirely about Jesus. We're going to keep talking about Jesus. So just spoiler alert. Why then? What is the payoff in my mind? Here's the payoff. Here's what drew me to this book. As I started studying it, there was this one simple, but I thought really profound thought. And it's simply this. This is the only time in all of Scripture where we get to see in the flesh, through this strange vision that John's trying to convey to us, the post-ascension Jesus. In other words, Jesus as he is right now. The risen, the, the risen, reigning Jesus, who John just said is king over all the rulers of the earth, who is right now in this moment sitting at the right hand of the Father. Parts of Scripture tell us what, he's, what is he doing right now. Part of we know he's praying for us. Part of us knows he's, he still is the good shepherd watching over us. He's ruling and overruling in our lives. But Revelation is the only time in all of Scripture where we get to see Jesus as he is now. And that is a beautiful thing. Um. And this is, you know, what, what I love about Revelation is here you have this old sweet man, John, who is living out the rest of his days in Patmos. He's a prisoner. He's never going to come back. What does he need? What does he need to keep going? What does he need to, to keep fighting the good fight? What does he need to, to, to keep being faithful and loving Jesus? What does he need? There are a lot of things we could say he needs. Does he need, does he need some counseling about how he's treated? Probably. Could he use like some a really good meal? Absolutely. There, I mean, we, there are a lot of things he needs, but the most ultimate thing he needs is what Jesus gives him, and it's a fresh vision of himself. What John needed was a fresh vision of Jesus as he is. Reigning, risen at the right hand of the Father, and yet at work in the move, in the lives, present and abiding with his people. And that's what, obviously what the churches needed. The churches are going to go in incredible persecution. What do they need? They need a fresh vision of Jesus. To, to be reminded about who he is in his grace and in his power and in his glory. And this is what I love because this is exactly what you and I need. This is what I need. Here's how I want to say it. Maybe you've just gone through an incredibly painful breakup. Maybe you are deeply struggling right now with something that you never thought that you would struggle with. Maybe you are so filled with anxiety right now that you feel like you're a balloon that's about to pop at any second. Maybe you are so lonely right now that if your friends or the people who call themselves your friends even had an idea they would be shocked at how lonely you feel. Or maybe you're like me, and you're really easily given to discouragement and depression, and, and your mind sometimes drifts to really dark places about what you would like to do to yourself. I don't know where you are, but I do know what all of us need is a fresh vision of Jesus. To see him, 
to see him in all of his beauty, to see him in all of his love for us, to see him as the one who loved us and freed us from our sins, to see him as the one who is the king over all the rulers. We might especially need that in this time. The king over all the rulers of the earth. The one who is risen and reigning, yes, but the one who is still with us and on the move with his people. And this is exactly what Revelation gives us. And what I love is it gives us the whole story. It gives us the end. It gives us the full story of what not only Jesus has already done in his triumph, what he's ultimately going to do when he, brings the, when he brings us to live with himself and when he makes the world right again finally. I was thinking about this idea, and I'll close with this. I was thinking about this idea of how sometimes we've seen or heard the end of certain stories or, or we've watched the end of certain games or the end of certain movies, and yet we'll watch it the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the tenth, the twentieth, the fiftieth time, and it's just as exciting, if not more exciting, even though we know it's coming. I was thinking about this with my kids. My kids, especially when they were younger, so Sadie's like the only one who still likes us right now. She's six. But they would love for me when I would lay in bed with them. They would like, books are great, but Dad, will you tell us stories about yourself when I was your age, or you were our age? And I would tell this one story, especially where we went camping, and like I almost drowned in this river, and like by some miracle grabbed a rock and like, you know, my parents came and got me and I, a 10 year old me literally thought life's over, you know, like I'm done. And yet there was this miraculous, you know, kind of, you know, uh, good ending that I didn't think was going to happen. And my kids have heard that story probably 20 times, but they want me to tell it every time. Why? Because somehow they can kind of see themselves in that picture and somehow it communicates that they know what's going to happen. And yet they still want to hear about how it happened. This is why, like, no doubt Daniel's, Daniel, our intern, is a huge Alabama fan. And no doubt, I don't put you on the spot, no doubt you've watched the end 20 plus times. Tua throwing that beautiful pass. That was a crazy finish. Uh, maybe you're a movie person and you've watched the end of your favorite movie over and over. Why do we do it? Why is it just as thrilling? Because we know what's going to happen, we know the triumph. We know the victory. We know the ultimate comfort. And I'm hoping for us, this is what Revelation is going to be. It's an invitation to hear the story of Jesus told as you've never heard it before through these crazy, powerful images. And yet we get to see our ultimate hope. And so this is why one of my friends likes to say, this is the best, like when you've gone through, when you've just gone through a breakup, you need Revelation. (laughs) What? Yeah. Because you need something to reframe that breakup. To tell you that everything is going to be okay, not because we say that in a cliche way to each other, but because we know the story of Jesus and we know how it ends. If you are wrestling with crippling anxiety and depression, there are a lot of things you need. We could talk about counseling. We could talk about medicine. Those are good and beautiful things. But what's the hope of those things? It's ultimately to give room and space to reframe those stories in the ultimate victory and triumph of Jesus. And so I hope... As we continue this journey, you'll come along with us and I hope it'll be beautiful and powerful to all of us. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given it to us because you want us to know you. You want to reveal, um, you want to reveal yourself to us. And so, Lord, I pray that um, as we study this book of Revelation, that you would indeed let that book hold up to its name. Would you reveal the glory of Jesus to us? Would you reveal our need for him? Lord, some of us maybe are here when we hear about being freed from our sins. That doesn't make any sense to us. And I pray, oh Lord, would you show us ourselves? Would you show us how sin can be a power in our lives and it can lead us into to bondage and despair 
and loneliness and all kinds of places that, if we're being honest, we don't want to go. And so, Lord, would you be the one who breaks through, risen and reigning, showing us exactly what you've done for us, the good news of your life and death for us. And so, Lord, would you continue to do this, not just tonight, but the whole semester, and would you lead us in joy um, as your followers. We pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. We all stand and sing with us in our, uh, our last hymn tonight, The Sands of Time or Singing.